0: In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, the Bible reads this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So be alert of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Over these next few weeks, you and I are gonna take a look at a misaligned, much misunderstood, fascinating topic of angels and demons. Now, one of my really good friends, one of my mentors and teachers, Dr. David Dykes, writes in his book about angels. The story of a young girl who was out in a river, in a lake river area, swimming with her friends. She was sitting there floating up, looking at the sky as she floated on top of the water when she noticed a cramp in the back of her leg, and as she naturally reacted to the cramp in her leg, she felt herself going underwater as her body slowly began to just cramp up all, all, all over In her testimony, she says she remembers trying to swim up to the surface, but she just kept sinking and sinking and sinking. Panic began to set in. And then she said something really strange happened. She heard a voice, someone telling her to grab her shoulder. As she reached out and touched this man's shoulder, she noticed a redheaded man who began to lift her back up to the surface. She would tell the lifeguards and the people that came out with the EMT that it was a redheaded man who saved her from drowning, to which the lifeguard, the EMTs, even her friends said there was nobody in the water with her. She just was flailing until she found herself back to the surface. We've all got these kind of weird supernatural stories. In fact, um, uh, you've either got one or you know somebody who knows somebody who's got one of these weird stories. How much of these are myth and how much of these are fact? Well, how much do we even know about angels? I mean, where did we even get our knowledge from? Let me ask you this. How much do you know about things in the supernatural that are in the Bible? And, and, and these subject matters like angels and demons, think about it for a second. Where do you specifically Get your knowledge from. Webster's Dictionary defines supernatural as this. Things of or relating to an order of existence beyond the visible universe. I've got to admit, most of us get our ideas about angels and demons from pop culture, from movies, from characters. Or maybe your idea of angels and demons, you're sitting here like, man, like, 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 I don't even want to talk about it. Or you're on the other extreme where you're like, man, there is a demon and an angel under every rock, under every chair, in that dark corner in my house. I think some people actually develop an unhealthy obsession about angels. This is why we're doing this study over the next three weeks. We're doing this Because we want you to be grounded like 1 Peter chapter 5 says. We want you to be rooted in the word of God so that you can understand. So I've got actually three goals over the next several weeks as we talk about this. One goal is I want you to understand that Jesus is superior to everything. If you've got Jesus, you're already on the winning team, right? Number two, I want you to not uh, be apathetic or neglect what the truths are that are out there for your own benefit and Christian growth. And then number three, I want you to be able to discern the difference between fact and fantasy, right? So let's just jump in today. What are the facts? What are the facts? There's seven things we're going to talk about today that I really want you to kind of tune in on because a lot of us, we really get our ideas out of kind out of, out of some, maybe some things that are myths. For example, one of my earliest memories of angels is that classic Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life. Right, where the main character goes, and he has this imaginary life, uh, uh, where, where where the angel takes him on a journey of what his life would look like if he never even existed, and at the very end of the movie, when everything comes back together, I know spoiler alert, but you've probably already seen the movie several times before, the the the, the protagonist of the story, Jimmy Stewart, the actor, he picks up his little daughter Zuzu, and and as they're at this big party and they're singing, there's a bell that goes off, and Zuzu looks at her dad and she says teacher says every time a bell rings an angel gets his wings right what is that even true so let's talk about seven things that are seven major myths that you and i think about myth number one is uncle an angel right we've been to several funerals several events where where, where people have said oh my auntie my uncle my grandma my grandpa they're up in heaven now and i guess they're an angel Well, what's interesting is that the Bible actually says otherwise. The Bible says we are actually going to judge the angels. So the good news for you is, is is uncle an angel? No. He's, if he's got Christ's life and he went to heaven, he's actually judging angels, which lets us know this. You and I are created for specific reasons. Colossians chapter one, verse 16 says that everything has been created by God and everything has been created for his purpose. You have a purpose. I have a purpose. Angels have a purpose. And they're not all the same purposes. In fact, Mark chapter 12, Jesus is being asked a story about marriage and he says that it's not going to be like that in heaven, not that we're not going to be married in heaven. It says that there's going to be no longer any more marriages in heaven, actually, is what the, the passage is talking about. And it says that there's angels and there's humans and we're going to be like the angels. We're not going to be angels. We're going to be like the angels. In fact, one other thing we need to understand is that, is that they have a different way of even operating in Genesis chapter 19, there's the story of the angels that come into Sodom and Gomorrah and how the, how the men of Sodom and Gomorrah, they actually wanted to have relations with these angels so that these angels, they, they, they looked like men, but they weren't men. In fact, Genesis chapter six says that there's a difference between men and angels or mankind and angels because it says the sons of God, which the Hebrew derivative of those words actually mean angelic beings, were actually having relations with humans and they were giving birth to the Nephilim, which is a whole nother crazy subject matter that I don't even have time to get into today, but it's a fascinating topic that I've spent the better part of, I don't know, 15 years trying to study. Angels don't die, we die, right? Our bodies die and then our spirits go to heaven. Angels don't die. In fact, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, it's appointed once for a person to die and then comes the judgment. Angels aren't given this, they're they're different, right? Luke 20 says that we are like angels, but we don't become angels. Revelation says what happens to humans in chapter 20, verses 14, is is that people that don't have Christ They die physically, and then they have a second death, which if you have Christ, you don't experience that second death. So is uncle an angel? No, uncle is not an angel. Uncle is a human that has been created by God for a purpose. You and I are created by God for a purpose. Angels are created for another purpose. And we're going to get into that next week, what that purpose is of what angels do. A second myth that we often have is, well, are they chubby babies, right? Like on the mark cards, on the different things, are they chubby little babies? Well, the interesting thing is, do, do they even have wings, right? Well, in Genesis chapter 28, verse 12, there's a passage about Jacob looking up and seeing angels ascend and descend on a ladder. Here's kind of the common sense thing, all right? If they have wings, why do they need to climb a ladder, Right? There's no mention in the Bible of them being little babies. In fact, all the mention of, in, in, in the biblical terminology is that they're masculine, all right? That all the angels are given in a masculine tone. And number two, they're all adult-oriented. When, they when they came to earth, they were never seen as little babies. They were always seen as men. In fact, they were mistaken as men. So where do we get this idea of these chubby little babies and, or, or, or maybe very effeminate people with flowing hair and all this kind of stuff? It actually comes more from the Renaissance art. Paintings like Da Vinci's Annunciation or his painting of the Coronation of the Virgin actually shows his depiction, but it's not rooted in the Bible. It's, it's rather rooted in more Renaissance art history. This would promote even more with, with, with artists like Raphael. Who, who worked in correlation with Michelangelo, who, who painted the Sistine Chapel. Beautiful painting, beautiful work, not necessarily biblically correct, right? More of an idea of what the artistic time at, the, at, at that point in time was. In fact, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 2, we see that angels are confused for being men. We see in places like Judges chapter 13, verse 21, that that. That, that the recognition was that it was a man, and later on they discovered it was an angel. In fact, you may be even sitting here today and go, okay, so they don't have wings, they're not chubby little babies, do they at least have halos? Well, once again, the idea of halo is not a biblical thing. Actually, the original term for that halo thing that you see in paintings that later on gets put into glitter, and m- maybe you even wore one at a Christmas pageant, that word is nimbus. That's actually an artistic expression that was developed during the Renaissance and Middle Ages. Sorry to blow everybody's Christmas pageant stuff out of the water. It's not that I'm trying to do that. I just want you to understand what the Bible is actually saying. So what is the Bible actually saying? Well, the Bible is actually saying the third point, which is they're not wimps. They're not chubby babies, but they're actually warriors. Warriors. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13 shows us that there's a depiction of an angelic warrior. The commander of the angelic host has a sword in his hand. Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve are removed from the garden because of their sin, God appoints an angel with a flaming sword over there. Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus is about to be arrested in verses uh, 52 and 53, he says, do you not know that I could command my legions of angels and they could come and they could take care of this whole business? So a sword, flaming swords, legions of angels destroying things, not really sounds like something like a wimp, more like this warrior. In fact, there's this incredible, fascinating story in Isaiah chapter 37, verse 36, where one angel takes out 185,000 warriors. One to the ratio of 185,000. That's not a wimp, my friend. That's, That's more of a warrior. So, uncle's not an angel. They're not chubby babies. They're not wimps. They're warriors. You may be sitting, okay, 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 okay. Fourth myth. Do they at least play harps? we don't get this from the Bible, the idea of them singing or playing music. We actually get it from an old Christmas uh, 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 song, Angels We Have Heard on High, right? So what actually does the Bible say? Well, there is one reference in Job chapter 38, verse 7, where it says the morning stars sang, but it's also the same kind of poetic language where later on we see in Isaiah 55, 12, that the trees clapped their hands. So is it that trees were literally clapping their hands? Trees don't have hands. But that, but that artistic poetic metaphor is maybe what's being talked about in Job. And you're going, Trev, I'm not even talking about those Old Testament passages. I'm talking about like in Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. Okay, let's go to Luke chapter 2. The Greek word is actually lego. It means to proclaim or to speak. The angels don't show up singing, they show up speaking and proclaiming that Jesus has been born. We see that same Greek verb to speak, legontas, in Revelation Revelation chapter 5 verse 9, where it says that they speak these things about the glory of God. So, they're not playing harps according to the Bible. They're not up there singing all the time. They're not just little babies up in the clouds. These are warrior people that have a specific task. And so as I've hit just four of the seven of the myths, I want you to understand that next week I want you to tune back in and because we're going to talk about what do these angels do? But this goes to my fifth myth right here. Can I even see them? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 2 says that you and I, Uh, we may be entertaining angels and we're not even aware. And when we do actually see an angel in its full presentation, we see this in Revelation chapter 22, verse 9, where John sees an angel and he falls down and he wants to start worshiping the angel. And the angel has to say, get up, don't worship me, worship Jesus, which is going to be week three, actually, where we're going to talk about what's the message of what the angels are. We're going to be looking at three major things. The myths today, next week, the methods or what they do, and then the third week, what's their message? What is it they th- that they say? You and I are taught in the Bible, like in Hebrews 13, like in Revelation 22, that there are moments where we've probably seen them, and we are not even aware that they're out there. There is a great passage in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, though, that we do need to be aware of some of the things that's going on. We don't need to just neglect. We don't need to be apathetic towards it. But there's a story in Second Kings chapter 6, verses 17, where the prophet Elisha is being threatened, and his servant is really nervous. And Elisha says, oh, I pray that my servant would be able to have the the eyes to see what's really going on. And at that moment, it's revealed to the the servant, the the angelic army that's literally protecting this prophet while he's under this threat from an enemy. Sixth myth, are, are all angels good? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 41... Jesus actually makes a reference where he says, depart from me and go back to uh, the devil and those fallen angels. All right. We have a couple of passages in Ezekiel and Isaiah where there's this idea that the angelic host rebelled, part of the angelic host rebelled against God and were cast down to earth. Not all angels are good. It's kind of interesting because sometimes I'll run into somebody and they'll want to give me kind of their freaky God story. You know what I mean by the freaky God? Like the weird supernatural story. And I'll begin to listen, not from the event, but more from what does Scripture say, right? Right? So just to be very candid, when somebody comes up and they're like, man, I saw this angel, right? And I know what you're thinking. The husband that's sitting right there, he's like, well, I'm married to an angel. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the person that's like, well, there's this angel. And they start doing this whole extra biblical thing, uh, something that's not in the Bible, something that doesn't honor God, something that doesn't glorify God, something that brings about confusion rather than order. At times I kind of go, hey, maybe it was an angel, but it wasn't necessarily a good angel, right? Because we do know that there are some angels who fell who was it that led them well that's that's the seventh myth that we believe is satan an angel that's why i opened up with this scripture there is a the devil he roars like a lion and we can st- resist him by standing firm in the faith second corinthians chapter 11 verse 15, 15 says he masquerades like the angel of light actually he is an angel In fact, I think that's one of the biggest myths is that you and I tend to think that Satan is actually more powerful, like he's God's yin to yang, so to speak. He's the opposite. In fact, a few weeks ago, we played this game where I asked you, I'll give you a word, you give me the opposite. So if I give you dark, you say light. If I say fast, you say slow. If I say tall, you say short. If I say cold, you say hot. If I say Satan, you say God. But here's the deal. God has no equal. Jesus has no equal. The Holy Spirit has no equal. Satan, literally the word is Aramaic, it's hasatan, it means adversary, was an angel, most notably Lucifer, who fell. Now this is widely debated, and I don't have time to go into all the different theories of is Lucifer Satan all this kind of stuff, but what we do need to understand is this, the evil spirits that are in this world are nowhere near comparable to the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit that lives in you if you have Christ. So here's what I want to accomplish today and over the next several weeks. The three big questions. What are the myths that we bring into the supernatural? What are the the methods about living in and walking in the supernatural? And then number three, what is the message behind all of this? And this is maybe where I want to finish off today with. What myths do you believe? What myths do you believe about angels? How rooted in the word of God is your belief and understanding of angels? If you go to the app, I've submitted two videos that I really want you to take a look at by The Bible Project that are done very, very well about this subject. I've got two that I want you to look at over the next week. So if you get a chance, look down at those two videos that are down there. And really begin to ask yourself, what are the myths that I have? What are the misunderstandings that I have about angels? But you may be asking this today. There's some things, hey, Trev, before we even get to angels, there's things about myself that I'm not quite sure about. Or you may be sitting here today going, well, if I've missed about angels, and I've missed about myself, what am I missed about Jesus? And this is where I want to close this with today. You and I tend to believe a lot of myths, and I want you to be rooted like I came full circle. Verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5, be alert, be of clear thinking. Why? Because the enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion he looks for someone to devour so resist him how how do you resist the mist how do you resist the chaos how do you resist the confusion will you stand firm in the faith the faith of what well the faith that jesus is god's son romans 10 9 and that he died on the cross to pay for your mind's rebellion and when he paid for that rebellion, he, he took it all and he said, it is finished. And then he died and then he paid that penalty. But then he also showed that he had the power over life and death by resurrecting from the dead on Easter Sunday. That's what we put our faith in. Why? Because look at the rest of verse nine. Because you know that there's a family of believers. There's all these other people around the world that are uh, uh, ungo- uh, uh, undergoing the same kind of of sufferings so what I want you to understand is this we don't have to live in myth we can live in clarity if you still have your bible open to 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 10 says this and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered just a little while he will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast So, I want you to leave today with this. I want you to be strong and firm and steadfast. And how do you do that? Well, you find clarity on who Jesus is first. Let's make it about Jesus. Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for you to pay for the punishment of your rebellion against God. And and in that, He takes your sin, wipes you clean, and yet He's killed for it because that's how deadly our sin is, and yet He's resurrected So maybe right now, if you'll just bow your head and close your eyes just to kind of get alone for a second. Ask yourself this, what are the myths I have about myself? What are the myths I have about Jesus? Who really is Jesus? And you may want to say, Jesus, I want to know you personally. I want to know you in a firm and strong way that's real. I accept that you died on the cross for me. I accept that the reality of that was that my sin Put you to death, and yet you were so powerful because you're God. You were resurrected from that death, and you conquered death and life. So, thank you that you did that for me. And would you please come into my life? Would you be my king? Would you understand that all things, friend, have been made by God, and have been made for a purpose, and you can discover that purpose by asking Him even today, God. I acknowledge that you've created me. I acknowledge that you're my Savior. And as I've asked you to forgive me of my sin, and as you come into my life as my King, show me what that purpose is. Not only show me what the purposes of angels are and what other people are and all this kind of stuff, show me what my purpose is. Let me quit living in myth. Let me start living in reality. If you prayed something like that during this time, just text the number down below on the screen we'd love to get in touch with you because we want you to know that this is not the end of anything this is just the beginning of something brand new for you and we'd love to walk with you on that journey we have a lot to cover we have a lot to cover my original notes had 16 different parts to it i know total bible nerd moment right we're only going to be able to cover three of those things so we've got a lot of ground to cover, right? Like the old song, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. But I hope today we've just begun to kind of clarify some of those things. Take a look at some of those videos down below. Go back and see the scriptures that we kind of threw really quickly today. And as you do, may you be blessed in knowing that God wants to be gracious to you. He wants to lift his face towards you and be friends with you by becoming your king, becoming your savior. And may you have peace in that, in Jesus' name.